Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is John 12, 44-50. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. And so let's read John 12, 44-50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Well, let's come to our God now and pray as we come to his word. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your word. We thank you for this day that you've given us, this day to remember and to celebrate Jesus going to the cross. We pray that your spirit would be at work in all of us now to understand these words. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, almost 2,000 years ago, a man hung from a cross. He wasn't unique in how he died. Many had died that way. It was a punishment and a deterrence. If you were a slave, you had to run the risk. You had to weigh the risk of trying to escape. Because if you were caught, you'd be crucified. If you were a revolutionary trying to free your nation from the Romans, you'd be crucified if you failed. Many throughout the years had been crucified. And even this day, this man on the cross was not the only one crucified. We're told of two others who were on either side of him. Like him, they had nails go through their wrists and their feet, securing them to their cross. They, like him, experienced the pain that was so agonising that a new word was invented for it, excruciating from the cross. Jesus wasn't unique in how he died, But he was unique in why he died. From the perspective of the Jewish religious leaders, he was put to death because they were threatened by his popularity with the crowd. And they were worried that he would take from their authority and then the revolution that they thought that he would start would then fail and the Romans would come in and destroy their nation. From the Roman perspective, Pilate was scared of looking weak in front of his superiors and so he gave in to the crowd because he didn't want a riot to start. Now, neither of those is unique. Plenty throughout history have died for similar reasons. 
But what is unique is why Jesus says he died. A day or two before he died, he announced to the crowd why he came. He'd come to give life. Today, as we remember his death, we don't just remember its horror, we remember its purpose. Jesus died to give life. And so the call of Easter is, believe in the one who died to give life. The life Jesus offers through his death is different to any life that we have known. He isn't promising that we'll just keep on existing like a heritage building watching as the world, uh, watching the world change as it slowly gets more and more dilapidated. Now in verses 44 to 46, our first heading in chapter 12, Jesus says, believe to escape darkness. First, he tells us what, uh, uh, what we're doing when we believe in him. In chapter 12, verse 44, he says, we're not just believing in Jesus. To believe in Jesus, to, uh, to trust him, to give our lives over to him, is also to believe in the Father. And when we see Jesus, we're also seeing the Father. If we're going to understand Good Friday, we need to understand who this person is who hung from the cross. When Jesus says that to believe in him and to see him is also to believe in and to see the Father, he's not just saying that he is the Father's agent. Now, he is that, but he's so much more than that. From the start of John's Gospel, we have seen that Jesus is God himself. He is the eternal God who took on flesh. He is the eternal Son who came to reveal the Father. When we see Jesus, when we know Jesus, when we believe in him, we're seeing, knowing, believing in the Father. Because that's the unity that they have with one another. See what he says in chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Throughout John's Gospel, Jesus keeps coming back to this image of light and darkness. He'd said previously, I am the light of the world. He'd warned that there were people who hated the light and loved the darkness because their works were evil. They didn't want their dark works to be exposed by Jesus, the light who taught the truth about God, exposed by the light who showed by his own life what good living really was. And then this light of the world went to the cross and what happened? The lights were switched off. As Jesus hung on the cross, as the light of the world was dying, the sun was switched off too. Matthew, Mark and Luke all tell us that between noon and 3pm, it was dark. 
And this was no extra long solar eclipse. This was happening during the Passover when there was a full moon, meaning it's impossible for there to be a solar eclipse. What was happening as Jesus died? He was experiencing the anger of God. While on the cross, Jesus was acting like a sponge, soaking up the sin of all the people who would believe in him. And so as he was dying on that cross, God was pouring out the full strength of his anger onto him. That's what the darkness represented. Which is why Jesus can tell us, believe to escape darkness. Because on the cross, he was experiencing the anger of God for us. This is the uncomfortable truth that Good Friday confronts us with. We are sinners. Every one of us. We're all born in darkness. We're all enemies of God. And it's our default setting to disobey God, the one who made us. But look at the end of verse 46 again. Jesus came so those who believe in him may not remain in darkness. The sad reality is whoever isn't believing in Jesus is still in darkness. That might be you. You might not be sure who Jesus is or why he came. You might think that he's just one of many wise people throughout history who gave glimpses of what a spiritual life is. But you see, that's not what Jesus says. You can't find a way out of the darkness by someone else or through another teaching. He came as light because without him there is no light. Buddha claims to have been enlightened under the tree. But even Buddha was still in the dark. On the cross, as the light of the world died, he experienced the darkness of God so that we could escape the darkness. He experienced the anger of God for our sins so that we could know God as Father. Jesus says, believe to escape the darkness. Believe in the one who died to give life. And that brings us to our second heading in verses 47 to 48. Believe to escape judgment. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Now, Jesus isn't saying that he will never judge, just that he hasn't come to judge yet. Back in chapter 3, verse 18, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Jesus wasn't there to judge yet, but to save from the judgment that we were already facing. How would he do that? By facing judgment himself. 
First, he was judged by his own people. The religious leaders sent out their soldier goons to arrest him while he was in the garden of Gethsemane praying. They did it, they did it secretly, not publicly. They took him to the high priest and the other religious leaders where they peppered him with questions and, and brought in false witnesses to testify. And even though those false witnesses couldn't even agree with each other, still they sent Jesus off to Pilate, eager for Pilate to sentence him to death. Time and again in the Gospels, Pilate said, Jesus is innocent. But the crowd from the high priest's house demanded he be crucified. When Pilate offered to release either Jesus or Barabbas, considering that it was the Passover and he had this tradition of releasing a prisoner, they were determined that Barabbas, the thief, the murderer, the insurrectionist, that he be released. We remember every Good Friday that Jesus went to the cross unjustly. He'd done nothing deserving of death. But, he says, believe to escape judgment. Because regardless of what the religious leaders intended, and regardless of Pilate's cowardice in not standing up to them, Jesus' death was God's way of rescuing people from judgment. Because Jesus didn't just face the judgment of the religious leaders or of the Romans, he faced the judgment of God. When the darkness came on the earth and he faced God's anger, he was also facing God's judgment. So if you trust in him, he was bearing the judgment, the punishment, the death sentence for your sin. The death sentence you deserved and that I deserved was placed on him. That's what we remember this day. We're told, believe in the one who died to give life. But he also warns us, it won't always be the day of salvation. There is a day of judgment coming when everyone who has rejected him will have to face up to it. If they haven't believed and escaped judgment, they will be judged themselves. Jesus says, the word that I have spoken will judge him on that day. There'll be witnesses and those who've rejected his word won't be able to deny that they knew the truth. How much have you thought about Jesus' claims? Do you even know what he claimed about himself, about God and, and how to be saved? Have you explored whether Christianity can answer your objections? Maybe you have objections on issues like science and suffering and, and the hypocrisy of Christians. You know, Christianity's been around for a long time. Maybe it's worth asking questions and seeing if the answers are satisfying or, or at least interesting enough to keep on exploring. And if you are a Christian already, these words should spur you on to keep believing through the pressure that you're experiencing with your, your family, your friends and the watching world. 
there is a judgment coming. J.C. Ryle, a bishop in the 19th century, says, the Christian's best answer to those who ridicule his religion is to say, I believe in a judgment and a last day. One way we can stand against the attacks of the evil one who wants to shame us out of the kingdom is to remember the last day. We want to be found on that day honouring Jesus, not abandoning him. He went to the cross so we who believe would escape suffering, would escape judgment. Let's be willing to suffer then the hatred of the world for him, believing in the one who died to give life. Jesus' last public words to the crowd is calling them and is calling us to believe in him. We're to escape darkness and escape judgment. And now in verses 49 to 50, we're to believe in the obedient son. See, Jesus never went through that stereotypical teenager phase, teenage rebellion phase. He's always done as the father wanted. They're both completely united in their desire to save sinners, to rescue sinners from darkness, from God's anger and judgment, to instead give them light and welcome and life. Verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. The Jews were offended at what Jesus said, Many times, and sometimes they even tried to kill him. And he he said crazy things about being the son of God and being able to forgive sin, something that only God can do. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now that is an incredible claim. It's an incredibly arrogant and delusional and cruel thing to say to someone who's just lost her brother, unless it's true. Unless it's what the Father gave him to say. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Father gave him his message. Jesus, the word who was there in the beginning, who became flesh to show us what God is like by his words and his actions, was sent to tell us how to find life. We're to believe in the obedient son because he's the one who died to give life. We've already seen that we're sinful. That means... Because we're sinful, that means that we deserve the death penalty. Jesus came with a message of how to receive life. Verse 50, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. He knows it because he's going to the cross to achieve it, to win what he promised us. As Jesus hung on the cross... The four Gospels together record him speaking seven times. And the last one that John mentions is chapter 19, verse 30. 
Remember, he, he says nothing on his own authority. And in the Greek, that last thing that he says, it, it's one word. Tetelestai. It is finished in English. Of all the final words, why that one? What's it mean? See, these aren't words of despair. This isn't him saying, I'm finished. It means I have accomplished everything that I came to do. It worked. The debt is paid in full. These are words of victory as he dies on the cross because by his death, he gives life to those who believe. He is the obedient son, saving sinners from darkness if they believe, saving them from judgment and from death. And the proof of the pudding is the Sunday. He rose. The Father accepted his death as the payment for our rebellion, our sin. And it's this real historical event which is what we're supposed to base our lives on. Because now we're not finding our hope for heaven in how nice of a person I am. You know, that hope will probably get shaken, or it should be shaken, the next time we have some nasty words to say about that politician over there. We don't find our hope in doing good things for others, or in how much money we give, or at how regular we are to church. Our hope for heaven and for eternal life isn't bound up in how successful we are. If it was possible to get to heaven that way and those ways, Jesus wouldn't, bother, wouldn't have bothered to come. Why would he go to the cross if there's another way for us to get into heaven? Remember, he said in chapter 3 that we were already condemned. No, we can't find hope for heaven in ourselves. It can only be found in Jesus. Jesus tells us, believe in the one who died to give life. Because only he can give life. Now, if you're confused because I haven't been clear enough, listen up now. Why did Jesus die? Because his death was the only way to save sinners. He was the innocent one, dying the death we deserved. We had rejected God. We deserved God's judgment. And Jesus took our death for us. He was the sacrifice, the substitute. Which means if we believe in him, we will be saved. We'll have eternal life with God. And he's the only way, the only one who can get us there. And so believe in the one who died to give life. Jesus died to save sinners. And so believe in him today. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we do thank you for Jesus who died to give life. Father, we pray that we would all truly believe in him, that we would give our lives over to him, knowing that when we believe in him, we are believing in you. We are coming to you. We pray that as we believe, as we come to you, that you would change us and shape us and make us more and more like Jesus. May our confidence and our hope 
be in Jesus and in him alone. May he truly change how we live. May we base all our confidence in him, not on the good works that we do. Father, for any here who do not know you, we pray that they would, that they would turn to you and believe. Our God, be kind to us, be generous to us. May your spirit come upon us that we would truly believe in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.